Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Navigating Law School Admissions with Miriam and Christy. And I think this episode is going to be a really fun one. I think so, too. What could be more fun and I hope funny than talking about Reddit, specifically r slash law school admissions, a.k.a. LSA, lands of chance me's and cycle recaps, ice cream and all of those UVA fans, soft tears and big law and fed clerkship numbers. Let's get straight to our Reddit edit and start spilling some tea. So we've got to start by confessing something. And that is our <laughs> level of Reddit engagement, or maybe I should say Reddit addiction. I'm going to be honest here. I can't quit it. Every time I've tried, I discover something really important, like the time we were accidentally sending out all of our event invitations at 2 a.m. I do, however, have a very, very, very strict no posting rule, which I have never broken. As Christy has said, that one is like the red pill. Once you go there, there is no going back. And I check Reddit virtually every day during the admission cycle. Actually, I'll just be honest. I check Reddit every day, sometimes more than once per day during the admission cycle. I tend to be less interested during the summer, but during the admission cycle, all the time. And Miriam, we are not alone. No, we're when not I, alone. We're not. Whenever I chat with colleagues at other schools, more often than not, they are also on Reddit and they know some of the top personalities by name. I know we were both out to dinner when there was an admissions community toast to the famous Blue Freak Bob from oh, yes. the 1920 <laughs> admission cycle. So if you are a listener who is lurking on Reddit and you feel like you just can't quit it, we are right there with you. And like you, I found some very helpful tidbits on Reddit, which I think we'll get into in this episode. So to see whether we are truly Reddit experts, we've created a two truths and a lie question for the other person. Let's see whether all those hours on Reddit will come in handy in our game today. I have based my first two truths and a lie on what I consider to be the silliest feature of the LSA sub, the poll. Christy, which one of these was not a poll someone posted. First, which law school has the best library? HLS, YLS, Michigan, and Duke. Second, what law school should I attend? Great place to get advice on that, by the way. Cornell, <laughs> Vanderbilt, WashU, Wisconsin, Boston, you and Minnesota. Third, which do you have memorized better? Your credit card number or your LSAC ID? Okay. Um, I am pretty certain that the third one is true because I remember that one. I'm thinking it was very humorous. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I have a distinct memory of that one. Correct. Um, okay. Between the first, the best library, and the second, which law should, school should I attend? I am going to go with which law school should I attend is true because I see those all the time. And library is the lie. Incorrect. Oh! <laughs> I made up. I, it's, it's totally possible it could have been true, but that is not a real one that I saw. The law school with the best library was, in fact, a poll. All right. So got to spend more time on Reddit, Christy. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> your, your summer slowdown is hurting you. All right. So here's my two truths and a lie for you. I alluded to specific personalities earlier. So here we go. Two truths and a lie. The LSA subreddit is filled with a number of constant posters. Which one of these is not one of those omnipresent personalities? A, a user named Mick Boops who posted a meme every day until her cycle was over. B, a 1987 graduate of Northwestern who constantly provides warnings not to go into law school. Or C, an admissions consultant that everyone calls dad. 
I would have wanted it to be C, but I think we all know that it's not C. I find the dad thing to be a little bit weird, I'll be honest. Um, and McBoops was awesome. So I'm going with B is the lie. There is no 1987 graduate of Northwestern. Thank God. Who does you, that? You are correct. <laughs> One, yeah. Miriam, one, KJ, zero. KJ, All zero. Right. All right. All I'm right. Ready. So let, let's go. Okay. So just recently, I would say within the last week, I have found a number of incorrect tidbits about Yale Law School specifically. So I'm going to give you three tidbits, all of which are incorrect. And okay. I'm asking you to tell me which one was not posted on Reddit. Okay. Okay. Number one, we do not start our faculty review until the spring. And that is why the timing of when you apply doesn't matter. That's number one. Number two, because we're so over-enrolled this year, we decided not to admit any transfer students. Okay. Number three, Yale Law School is just wildly over-enrolled without the transfer piece. Oh, my summer slowdown is hurting me. Okay. In the last week, I'm going to guess that the one that was not posted on Reddit is number two, that they're wildly enrolled and that's why they admitted no transfers. Correct. Because there's a separate LSA law school transfer. Yes. I guess not LSA. There's a separate sub. Transfer. Yes, there is. <laughs> so people would know. All the the active Reddit users would know that there were definitely some folks admitted to Yale from that sub. You are correct. That is Amazing. right. And all th three of those things are incorrect. We are not over-enrolled and our faculty review does not start in the spring. It starts in the fall, just for those listeners out there. Isn't it, as a side note, isn't it amazing how people can post these things with, with such certainty? Cer yes. Oh, yeah. Such They're experience. I know. They just say it. Not even like, well, I think maybe. They're just like, yeah, YLS is over-enrolled, so definitely no waitlist admitting. Or YLS is, you know, that's, and I'm just like, what? Come on, guys. That's not true. Don't post right. your hypothesis as a fact. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So the Harvard Law School admissions team has used the LSA sub over the years to research different things that we, we use later in our cycle planning and even in some of the um, items that we do. So which one of these did my team not actually research? Got so it. first, in crafting our deny decision letters for the year, we utilized the LSA sub and read all of the denied decision letters that other schools had issued that were posted by okay. Redditors. Two, when choosing which swag to give Ooh. for the year, we researched all the swag, including lots of photos. Thank you for the photos um, that everyone had posted to Reddit. And three, when we were determining our application open date and our application close date for last cycle, we used Reddit to understand what applicants thought about application open and close dates that differed from peer schools open and close dates. I'm going with number three. Oh, you are so right. I, was so right. <laughs> I think number one and number two are the, the, the easiest way to get that would be on Reddit. Although I got number one, like deny letters by just Googling, like school deny letters, and then just Googling and looking for a language that I liked when I was redrafting ours. Um, and Reddit would have been a good source now that I think of it. And swag is very hard to find other than on Reddit. And I think the open date and the close date, you would have other considerations in mind other than what people on Reddit thought. If you, you think like me, I think you do. 
Yes, <laughs> you are so right. <laughs> All right. So let's start talking uh, a little bit about what might be motivating applicants and even some current law students to engage with the LSA subreddit. What do you think, Christy? So at my most optimistic and Pollyanna-ish, I view Reddit as a place where applicants and law students can crowdsource information. And I think that's there's a positive aspect of that. You can lower barriers to access that many applicants, especially those from less privileged backgrounds, face. And it provides a spot for everyone to share information about the admissions process. One of the reasons you and I decided to work on this podcast was to try to make information about law school admissions more accessible and in a different format. And there's a lot of really smart and well-meaning people on Reddit, some of whom give really excellent advice. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And it also resonates with what I've heard from some of my admitted students. And I also know that it's a way for people to commiserate and find community with others who are going through the same experience as them at the same time. That's a really good point, because even your very closest, most dear friends and family members are going to get tired of you hearing about your law school applications and refreshing your status checker. And Reddit is a way to connect with, honestly, it seems like thousands of fellow applicants who are happy to chat at any hour of the day or night and dive into the nitty gritty of whether that third letter of continued interest is really a good idea. And they will even know what a letter of continued interest is. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. They're, they're fellow experts in the process. Sometimes the community is awesome. I will even say it's awesome more often than not. I think the problem is that sometimes even the best meeting Redditors don't give good advice. A not insignificant percentage of what is said is just plain wrong. And for me, it's really frustrating and sometimes even heartbreaking to read the subreddit. I have been tempted more than once to break my no posting rule and just jump in and say, no, that's not right. Don't listen to them. <laughs> listen to the experts. And the worst part is that there is no way for readers to distinguish between the good advice and the bad advice. That's right. I mean, it's important to remember that any individual law student or law school applicant on Reddit has an N of one. In other words, the only experience that they truly know is their own. And Reddit is full of anecdata at its finest. And it's important important for our listeners to take everything on Reddit or similar fora with a giant grain of salt. Another thing that's really important to remember is that even successful law school applicants don't know, know if they were admitted because of some part of their application or despite that part of their application. Sometimes I see applicants using their own personal experience as a barometer of what works without recognizing that every application has its strengths and weaknesses. That essay topic you chose, the addenda you included, or the recommender you used, it may not have worked and you still might have been admitted. You may have been admitted despite those choices. Only those of us who have experienced reading and assessing thousands of applications comparatively will have a sense of what works on a more global level. And even for us, we are primarily experts at what other, our schools, our own schools and teams are looking for. No school evaluates applications in exactly the same way. And even 10, year, you know, 10 years later, there might be a completely different admissions approach at a school. And so even a consultant who worked at that school in a prior year might not necessarily be an expert on the current processes in place. Something that bothers me even more than bad advice is just the straight up dishonesty you sometimes see. I know that none of our listeners will be shocked that there are bad actors out on the internet, but right, it's really, it's, I'm still shocked not by it though. <laughs> but it's really important to keep this in mind if you're choosing to engage online. 
Yeah, there's part of me that's just naive, like still naive. And every time I see these lies, I'm still surprised. And I think both of us have come across these totally gratuitous lies about our schools on on Reddit and in other places as just one of like many, many, many examples. Um, last cycle, I saw a very strangely detailed post about this couple that, according to this post, both halves of the couple were admitted to YLS. And I thought, oh, you know, that's good. I should figure out who this is. We try to keep, you know, members of a couple out of the same small group to pass that on to that note to my registrar. It was just complete and utter lie. Wow. No, no one was admitted who matched any of the details they provided. So I'll share an anecdote from waitlist season, summer 2019. So I'll set the scene. I'm in my office back when we used to do our work in an office and not in our bedrooms and I'm working away. And one of my teammates from the front desk pops in and she asks, did you admit people off the wait list today? And I said, no, why? And we had gotten about a dozen calls from applicants saying that they'd heard that people were being admitted off the wait list that day. And so they were calling to check in on their status or to tell us that in case we were wanting to get a hold of them, they were going to be in a meeting oh for the next God. two hours, but then they were going to oh, be able no. to, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so and sad. we were like, where is this even coming from? And then one of our other teammates was like, it's obviously on Reddit. So we check Reddit and seven different users <gasps> had posted that they had gotten off the wait list that day. And there were these big celebratory... Like, like there were details so with all this like celebratory information, but we had not admitted a soul that day. Can I share one variation on the bad advice front? No. Okay. <laughs> yes, of course you can. There's only one answer to that question. <laughs> all right. So sometimes it's not dishonesty and it's not conflating your own experience with the laws of the universe or whatnot, but just some other category. It's just like conjecture that comes out of supposition and guesses and then somehow becomes the gospel truth over time on the right. subreddit. I'm going to need an example of that. Okay. All right. Because I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure what conjecture, supposition, and all that means in this context. <laughs> I pulled out my. <laughs> I drank the thesaurus there. <laughs> Um, so we have an interview calendar that is public. That's just thanks to the software we use to make it. This is not my first choice of how to run a railroad, but people often look at our interview calendar and spend a lot of time analyzing how many slots open up each week. And someone on Reddit posted with this air of authority that we probably are just posting more slots than we interview. But the truth is the exact opposite. We post exactly the same number of slots as we interview. It wasn't an actual lie. The person was sort of making assumptions and connecting those assumptions to one another, but presenting it as the truth. All right. So one more thing that I think is really important to mention, and I think some some folks on who you know post on Reddit are aware of this, is that the subreddit it seems to me to be extremely, extremely skewed towards relatively high-performing applicants. And also, I think relatively younger applicants uh, and those who are generally applying to a small subset of schools. And this overemphasis on the, the quote unquote T14 and national school searches, I think makes some consumers make Reddit feel less friendly to really the vast majority of law school applicants and students who attend the many excellent law schools out there that are outside a tiny handful. For all of those reasons, you know, this kind of incorrect advice, which percolates around, you know, this top law school skew and just the overall sometimes quite anxious vibe, I always somewhat hypocritically tell applicants that if they can, they should try to stay away from Reddit. At the same time, you and I agree that there's some good reasons to stay off Reddit. And there's also, <laughs> we understand the drive to be on Reddit. So what are some of the ways you can get the good parts of Reddit outside of that actual platform. 
So I truly believe that there are lots and lots of great pre-law advisors out there who are quite literally being paid to help you get into law school. I know the Reddit take is that their advice isn't always right, and I'm sure it's not. No one's is. Ours probably isn't all the time. But the vast majority of the pre-law advisors that I've met with and that I worked with are really good at their jobs, and they do care a lot about helping applicants succeed. Uh, there's also a lot of ways to engage with your fellow law school applicants outside of, of the Reddit sphere. You know, you have probably can talk to friends who are already at law school or who are applying at the same time as you. There's pre-law groups like Phi Alpha Delta or minority pre-law societies at your school. And that's a way to kind of get into IRL, the real world, and a little bit off the online stuff. Yes, Try talking IRL in real life to some people who know you. And even if you enjoy being on Reddit and you find it really useful, sometimes it's just nice to have that balance. And a, and a huge shout out to all the amazing pipeline programs out there that will connect you to fellow law school applicants, sometimes from all across the country and help you build a community. We talked about these in episode two. That's another great way to find support when you're applying to law school. So I think it's important to at least briefly touch on one other part of the Reddit ecosystem, which is these application consultants. For those listeners who may not be Reddit experts, uh, there are a small handful of professional law school consultants who regularly post on the LSA subreddit. I'm going to start by asking you, Christy, a more general question, which is what you think about the use of admissions consultants in general. Is it ever useful? If yes, when would it be useful? Okay, I'm just going to speak for myself. This is my own view. The vast majority of applicants, I mean, maybe you could even say almost all applicants do not need to pay a consultant. Perhaps it makes sense for some edge cases, um, extremely non-traditional applicants, people with very serious character and fitness issues. But for your average applicant, I, I personally don't think the cost, which is extremely high, is typically worth the benefit. And I believe in expertise. I, I think it helps to get advice from people who've seen many applications over the course of multiple cycles, but there's really a limit as to what any pre-law advisor or consultant can reasonably do. Even those who are former admissions officers can get out of the loop really quickly as schools change their practices. This is a very personal decision for you to make, dear, dear listeners, but that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, if you have endless money to spare, maybe it's kind of a bells and whistles kind of thing. But I think generally, I agree with Christie's take. And I have an additional sort of more global concern with consultants. Because the cost is so high, I view it as something that really exacerbates the inequalities we already see in the law school application process, where those from privileged backgrounds have access to more, more information more opportunities to take on unpaid internships and engage with extracurricular activities, more guidance from lawyers in their network. And if you layer onto that the ability to pay thousands of dollars to a consultant, it just widens that divide further. And that's really a, you know, a systemic problem and maybe not the problem of individual applicants, but it just, I find it troubling. So in, I completely agree. Um, I, I completely agree. I feel like you and I live this day in and day out and witness it. On, on the front lines. Um, in contrast to consultants, I'm going to give a bit of a shout out to professional editing services, which can oftentimes be very cost effective, very quick to turn around um, your essays. It can be worth it to have a professional simply read through your materials, particularly your resume and your essays for typos and formatting before you submit, or honestly, a really good friend or 
um, partner or colleague who really has an eagle eye for spotting all of the times where you've moved from a hyphen to an end dash in formatting. All right. So that's our hot take on admissions consultants generally. What about admissions consultants posting on the LSA subreddit? Any thoughts on that specifically? So I think it's pretty simple. I mean, law school applicants are the potential customer base for law school consultants. So anything that's posted on a forum like the subreddit is essentially a form of advertising of their services. You know, consultants aren't there posting anonymously in their individual capacities just to be helpful. They're posting in their business capacities in order to demonstrate that they give good advice as a form of, you know, building up goodwill and generating clients. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think, you know, it, it ought to be clear to everyone involved that that's what's going on. So I'm going to raise something I find mysterious and it's been bugging me for the last couple months. So listeners will recall that in our second episode this season, we talked with some representatives of Dear Future Colleague. That's a program that matches law school applicants with current students as mentors. For free. For free, yes. Some of the same services as a consultant, um, one-on-one advising, help with your essays and whatnot, but it's free. So one of our students at HLS who's on the executive board of Dear Future Colleague told me that she has tried to post on the LSA subreddit multiple times to share information about the program, but the moderators have always prevented her from posting. And I find it so odd. Moderators, why are you batting away free services for law school applicants when you let paid consultants post? Yeah, I mean, it. that's like conspiracy land for me. It, it yeah. just seems so bizarre. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a problem with the consultants posting, but why them and not Dear Future Colleague? It seems very bizarre to me. It's very weird. Okay, so now that we've like totally gone to that grassy knoll, let's ask maybe the ultimate question, the most important one. Do you think the consultants are actually giving good advice when they post? So whatever their motivations, and to be clear, I agree with you, I think the subreddit is mostly a way of generating business for consultants. I actually appreciate how some consultants use their authority and their experience on the subreddit in really positive ways. Um, I've seen a number of consultants emphasize repeatedly in lots of posts and replies that you should not let your results define you, for example, or just noting more generally that there's a lot of reasons someone might have outperformed or underperformed their numbers in a particular cycle. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I do think that the proportion of advice given by consultants that I agree with is higher than the advice in general. Um, I definitely don't agree with all of it, but of course I wouldn't because no two people or group of people is ever going to agree with anything. But I certainly wouldn't take as gospel any while less specific advice you're hearing from a consultant, um, because that is the part of it that I tend to agree with the least, uh, because I, I have the most expertise in that area. And it's something that, you know, I have my own views on. I suppose more generally, I often really agree with the consultant's general messaging, but not the details. I would agree with that. I think the tone is is one that I I almost always feel very comfortable with, which is the keep calm and carry on (laughs) sort of tone. (laughs) All right. Let's bust a myth, Christy. We haven't done enough myth busting this season, so I want (laughs) to bust some more myths. And that's the myth that Reddit is anonymous. Let me start by defining the term docs in case not everyone is familiar with it. So in this context, we're going to use the word docs when we're able to identify someone who is trying to stay anonymous online. Okay, so to all you Redditors out there, proceed with caution. You should know that if we want to, we can usually almost always figure out who you are. 
it is generally quite easy for admissions officers to dox you, perhaps even easier than you think it is. We have a ton of data at our fingertips. And once you give us information, once you post information publicly online about your application timeline, your stats, it's not very hard to figure out which Redditor is which applicant. And it's not like we're going out and doing that all the time. Sometimes it happens accidentally. And usually when we figure out who someone is, it's totally innocuous. For example, I'm not going to call him out by his Reddit name or by his actual name, of course, but I remember meeting one of my awesome current students in person for the first time, and I knew exactly who he was on Reddit. And it just slipped out. I said, you're so-and-so on Reddit, right? And we were both like completely embarrassed by the whole thing. And whenever I see him, we still joke about it. It wasn't a big deal. He was a prolific Reddit poster. Nothing he said was in any way negative or bad. It didn't reflect negatively on him. But I knew who he was the second he said his real name. So that's an innocent example. Um, if we're trying to figure out who you are, it's often because you've posted something that gives us reason to want to figure out who you are, um, something typically that concerns us. And sometimes people act pretty terribly on Reddit. With Sometimes people are rude and disrespectful and unpleasant, and that is not good. So I'll give an example. Uh, this past year, there was a Reddit user we were considering for admission who had shared so much specific information that there was really no mistaking her, like complete play-by-play -play of exactly who she interviewed with, when, the exact conversation. She had separately written a whole post about how she treated a student services team member at her undergraduate institution quite poorly. I'll spare the details, but suffice to say it was ugly. And she seemed so proud of it on Reddit, but it sounded extremely unpleasant for the staff at the school, just way beyond acceptable. And ultimately, that did factor into our assessment of the application. Yeah, I mean, I have similar examples as well. So have you ever taken any action against an applicant or admit based on Reddit behavior? I mean, I'm assuming yes, based on your prior example. Yeah, so that was an applicant. I'll say that for admits, no, but there's not really very many options. Your options are just more limited as an admissions committee after someone is admitted. But I do wonder about this for schools that offer um, what they term merit aid. So HLS like YLS offers exclusively need-based aid. So your aid has nothing to do with anything in your application materials, any test scores, much less what you posted online on Reddit. But for schools that offer scholarships that are meant to entice you to come, if they see that they've that you have posted something that suggests you aren't interested in their school, might that school disengage in financial aid discussions with you? I don't know. I, I'm not an admissions professional who's in that particular position, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone out there who posted something on Reddit that cost them quite a bit of money in scholarship funds. All right. So let's broaden this conversation beyond Reddit for a little bit. How much at all do you go about checking out applicants' online profiles when you're reviewing applications? So in all honesty, I actually wish that my team had more time and more bandwidth to Google applicants and check their online presence. I actually think it'd be completely pointless 99% of the time, maybe even 99.5% of the time. But I think it could be really important to our assessment of the application 1% or less of the time. Right now, we just don't have the person power to do it, though. So the first thing I'm going to say is we're certainly entitled to do that. Anything that is online is fair game for us to look at. Like Christy, we, I, we just don't have the bandwidth to do that for every applicant. But once in a while, I will, either because there's something on the resume that sort of leads me mm -hmm. in that direction or because there's some yellow flag there. And I'm like, hmm, you know, let me just Google 
so-and-so and check them out. Um, and, you know, I'll look at things like LinkedIn or Twitter or articles they've written for a paper, just, you know, whatever you find from a quick online check. And there are occasions where that can really change your view of an applicant. So two years ago, this actually wasn't something I found, but I had a faculty member call me up absolutely appalled by someone's Twitter feed. So here's another example. And I'm actually interested in what you think about this. I never know what to do when I see applicants posting an announcement on LinkedIn saying that they're going to be attending another law school while they're still under review at YLS. So let's say, you know, you have applicant A and applicant A says, so excited to be in the HLS class of 2024 while I'm still reviewing their application. In my mind, I'm thinking, are you still interested in YLS? If so, why are you announcing that you're going to HLS? Are you just not interested? Are you assuming we're not admitting you? Would you even come if I did admit you? Like, why didn't you withdraw your application? It's so awkward. And this happens like a bunch of times this has happened. So what just popped into my mind is a student that we admitted off the wait list last summer who had already done a pretty public hooray, I'm going to school X. And then we admitted her off the wait list. I don't remember the exact timing, but somewhat close in time. And then she went on LinkedIn again and was like, just kidding. Yes, thank, thank you for you. all your, <laughs> thank you so much for all your positive. Cause she had had, you know, a hundred people comment and say, you know, I'm so happy for you that you're going to fictional law school. And then she posted all over again. Actually, my plans have have okay. changed. Um, I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for that person because like waitlist is one thing, but this that's is true. Like, we're is talking January. Like we're not even close to the end of the decision-making. And they're already posting that they're going. I, I I just can't I can't get my head around that one. So I think this is this is all to if you have decided on a law school and you know you're going to attend at a law school and withdraw just withdraw. Like, I, I think it's totally cool. fair as long as they've withdrawn yeah. or they're about to withdraw the same day. But if you're so excited about school A that you're you want to post it and shout it on the rooftops on LinkedIn, then just give schools. B, C, D, and E, the courtesy of knowing right. that your cycle is set. T-L-D-R. I love that one. I had to look that up. Too long, don't read, didn't read, something like that. Don't read, I think. T-L-D-L, too long, didn't listen. T-L-D-L, yes, exactly. What she said, at the end of the day, a really big part of our process is trying to assess your judgment. And if you show poor judgment online, whether it's on Reddit or LinkedIn or Twitter or TikTok or anywhere else, and we find out about it, it's just hard to ignore. You can't unring that bell. And don't forget that this applies to more than just law school applications. Many employers will do a very careful review of your online presence. I mean, digging into your Instagram <laughs> before they hire you. Neither they nor we are limited to the four corners of, their, of the application materials you submit. Let's spend a few minutes talking about some of the most common kinds of posts you see on the LSA subreddit. One of the most prevalent and, in my view, least productive is the ubiquitous chance me post. Chance me. <laughs> so what makes me bananas about these kinds of posts is that the answers lack nuance. Just because the numbers are the easiest thing to compare from the outside does not mean that that's all admissions officers care about or that those are the only factors that drive your outcomes. 
And even worse, from my perspective, is that the people who respond to these posts often underestimate the chances of lots of applicants, including underrepresented minority applicants, veterans, what many people would call non-traditional applicants, as well as applicants who just are hard to categorize because they have really unique and interesting backgrounds. I get infuriated sometimes when I see an applicant who I really want to apply to YLS because of what they've described. And then they're told, oh, you have no chance at HYS, you know, don't apply. And I'm like, no, don't listen to them. <laughs> this is when I get my, maybe I should just post this one time, but I don't, but I think about it every time. The opposite of the chance me post is the equally ubiquitous cycle recaps. So these are exactly <laughs> what they sound like. <laughs> yeah. Applicants post a summary, sometimes incredibly detailed play by play of their application cycles. So I have mixed feelings about these on the one hand. Awesome. You know, if you're excited, it is great to be able to celebrate your achievements with a group of people who understand what you've been through. On the other hand, if the goal is to provide helpful ANIC data for future applications, I'm not convinced. Just like the Chance Me post, the information provided is so limited compared to the actual richness of the applications that often I worry that those cycle recaps may do more harm than good. Right. And when an applicant doesn't get the outcome that they're super happy with, then the reflexive response is often R and R, you know, which, you know, is Reddit code for retake and reapply. And sometimes that, that can be the right advice, but it's such a complex decision about whether to retake the LSAT and reapply. And I, I feel like that just gets thrown around way, way, way too much. Way too much. Uh, you, There are no guarantees that if you retake and reapply, even if you retake and your LSAT score goes up or whatnot, that the outcomes will be any different as we saw in 2020, 2021. Cycles are their own beasts. And you yep. know, none of us can predict necessarily what's coming. The other thing is that there's a real opportunity cost to retaking the LSAT. There's a, there's a, economic cost, obviously, a financial cost. And there's, you know, giving up the, your time and energy to focus on one thing when you could be focusing on another thing. And a final point is you should absolutely never be using a poll on Reddit to even help guide you to make a law school related decision. Oh, yeah. Th those polls are out of control and frankly, ridiculous. Enough said. <laughs> and I will add one, another one of my Reddit pet peeves, which is don't trust anything you read about a specific school and its admissions process. Let me just say this. Not one person on the subreddit has ever correctly described how our file review or faculty review process works. Given how many posts I've seen over the years about the YLS faculty review, that's actually really impressive. Similarly, I've seen thousands of theories on the size of the HLS waitlist based on LS data and Reddit, and it's always wrong. They'll guess it's 800 when the real size is 150. Okay, can I end on my hot take? Yes, you may, Christy. Okay, hot take. I think we are going to see the end of Reddit in the next few years. What? The yes. death of Reddit. Yes, I think it's going to go, at least for law school admissions, I think it's going to go the way of some of those past forums like law school life. People may still be on there, but I think Reddit's post-based format will decline and chat discussion style platforms will rise. I think Discord and the LS data chat function are coming for Reddit. I tried to get my team to, for us to have a team Discord just so I could see what it was, but no one, no one bit on that one. Maybe we should have a Discord, just the two of us. <laughs>
Just, just so we can figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> is it an actual website or an app? I have no idea. That's why I want to try it so I can see what it is. It's, it's, it's a gamer platform. It's like for gamers. See, you already know more than me. Well, on that note, that is it for today's episode. We hope we've given all you Redditors out there some food for thought. And now we're going to get to see, once this episode is released, we're going to get to see all of the discussions on Reddit about our discussion of Reddit. And it's going to be super meta. Thank you for listening to Navigating Law School Admissions with Miriam and Christy. Do you have a question you'd like us to answer in our final episode this season? Submit them on our new website. We'll put it in the show notes. Happy Redditing. This podcast is produced by Ryan McAvoy from the Yale Broadcast Studio.